0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Jamie Star Podcast. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. Although Thanksgiving is technically over, I still have three more amazing guests coming throughout the weekend on the Jamie Star Podcast Thanksgiving special. And my guest for today made her Broadway debut in Les Miserables on Broadway. However, her claim to fame is being the OG Katie Heron and Mean Girls on Broadway. My guest today is Erica Henningsen. So... What, so I got to ask you about living here in Michigan first. So yes. what did you enjoy most about your time here in Michigan?
1: Oh my God, I'm obsessed with Michigan. I want to go back. Um, I'm going to sit on the comfy chair because we're doing a QA. A. Cool. Um, what was my favorite part of living in Michigan? Um, well, I grew up in California. So my favorite thing was that like there were finally seasons. Mm-hmm. Um so, like, my college roommate and my best friend Chelsea, we she's from Arizona, so we had never experienced seasons before. So, like, the first time we had fall, the first time it snowed. I mean, obviously, Michigan winter is pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, but we, like, it's just so crazy, man. I'm like, wow, we did so, if it's, like, 30 degrees in New York now, like, I'm not leaving the apartment. Like, I'm not going out. And because we were in college, we were just like, we got to do everything. So, we yeah. just kind of made the most of it, whatever season we're in. So I loved that. Um, I also loved, like, I went back to visit Ann Arbor to teach for a summer program, summer program that I went to. And I was reminded of, like, how, how, like, there's so much to do, and there's so much culture, and there's so much art, and there's so much good food and good music there. And, like, there's a lot of, like, cool community stuff that they do, but Mm -hmm. it's quiet. Like, it's not chaotic or like dirty or Mm -hmm. it's just like a really great state that I think um oh my gosh my mom (laughs) um yeah I I would say that's definitely like my favorite thing was just I I think it Michigan has so much to offer like even the nature is so beautiful you can kind of find anything you need Mm -hmm. um but you have space and you have like peace and quiet oh yeah New New York is like You can have everything you want, but you will be, like, constantly bombarded by noise.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do you have any favorite hotspot, like, favorite spots in Ann Arbor uh, to hang out at?
1: Oh, my God, obsessed. Yes. Um, Well, I worked for four years at Sava's, which is, like, um, this restaurant that a woman started. She, like, owned a sandwich shop by herself, and it was such a big success. She, like, opened Sava's, which is this, like, incredible restaurant. And now she's kind of like the queen of Ann Arbor. She has like five. She has five different restaurants and catering business. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I worked there. And then I also just made friends with everybody there. So that became a hangout spot. Um, I loved going to, uh, what's the name of that river in the Arb where you can like rent kayaks? Um,
0: I don't know. I live like 40 minutes from Ann Arbor. So I'm not 100% sure.
1: So the Arb, A-R-B, I loved the, hanging out in the Arb for like nature um what was also our favorite like we loved this place called Frida Frito Banditos which is like really good Cuban food so good
0: I think my um I think I've heard of that
1: yeah it's amazing I mean the food I could literally just like eat my way through Ann Arbor I think (laughs) the food there is so good what
0: about have you been to pizza house
1: I love, oh my God, well, Pizza House was like the go-to late night party snack. It was so good. When I go to Ann
0: Arbor, I have to go to Pizza House. It's like a tradition that I've only, like, I go maybe once a summer. And I usually go to Pizza House.
1: It's so good. Wait, there was one place, oh, I have to find out what this place is called. So this opened up my senior year when I was 21, so I was finally, like, allowed to, like, legally go to bars. Yeah. Um, And it was this bourbon bar. Uh, wait, what's this called? Ann Arbor Bourbon Bar Um, called, oh, it's called M.A.S.H. I'm obsessed with it. And it had live music, had live music every night, like really great bourbon cocktails, which I love. It was my favorite place ever. And it was like, just this like underground music venue. That's and they had so cool. It was so much fun. And I went there when I was teaching. I went there by myself because I like, you know, I was teaching. So I didn't, I was mm-hmm. really with anybody. Um, I went there by myself and I sat like down and somebody was playing music. And it was like the greatest night. I And I never go to restaurants or bars by myself. But I was like, I have to for what, Lennox? Um, and it was so much fun. And it just reminded me, I was like, Ann Arbor is really cool. I would love to be a young professional who lived there because I think it it must be just the greatest city to um sort of like have your 20s in yeah as as it be a, a college student in. i just think it's a great they
0: fun. have good food i went to have you ever been to afternoon delight
1: yes oh, i just was God. there
0: about two like a month and a half ago for my cousin's birthday we traveled down to ann arbor to go to urban outfitters
1: yes <laughs> yep
0: and we went to afternoon delight and ate lunch and it was so good
1: I, I really think I need to like, make, I could this podcast could literally be just me saying all my favorite meals in Ann Arbor because <laughs> um, I love Afternoon Delight. I like to go sample the the stuff at Zingerman's, like obviously, um, I'm just obsessed with it. I, I want to go back so badly again. I had such a good time. You
0: have to come back here.
1: I will. I definitely will. I mean, it was always my dream, though. I like don't know what's going to be happening with like musical theater programs now, um, but it was always my dream to uh, like work on Broadway for you know however long I wanted to or was able to, and then hi Kyle, hi Kyle, and then go teach, <laughs> and then go teach uh, in Ann Arbor. Oh Lennox, do you want to be in the podcast?
0: Hi Lennox, I've heard so much about you.
1: Yes, she's a little she's a little shy. She doesn't give interviews very often.
0: <laughs> uh. How long was the gap between graduating from college and your Broadway debut?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I graduated in May. It was about ten months, um, which is like pretty short. Yeah. And, like most people, did not happen that fast. Um, so I auditioned for Cosette and didn't get that. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not going to be in Les Mis. But then they called me in. Um like, a couple months later for Fontaine, which is mm-hmm. just so crazy. Um, and I remember going in and being like, I don't think I'm right for this. Like, if they if they thought they would call me in for Cosette, I don't know how they're going to see me as a Fontaine. But that's why you should never cast yourself, because, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I thought I wasn't right for Katie. Like, I remember when they were like, you got to do Mean Girls the Musical. And I was like, really? Like, because I was so fixated on Anna in Frozen. I was like, I'm going to be that. And then, like... Oh, Frozen would have obviously been an incredible project, but like Mean Girls was definitely the the one that I was supposed to be in. So yeah, um, I'm so happy that it kind of worked out. But yeah, it was ten months, and um, I only did it for about eight months, and then I had two years. I think between let's see, I closed twenty fourteen. I. 2015 is when 20 the the fall of 2015 is when I left Les Mis and then I started Mean Girls in 2017 the fall of 2017
0: oh yeah yeah because you guys opened in March of 2018
1: yeah so it's like two full years of you know some good gigs some not so good gigs like it's it's kind of it definitely is like an up and down in this business um Mm -hmm. yeah
0: uh was it scary making your Broadway debut in a show like Les Mis
1: yes I like don't I honestly like this is how I think Renee Rapp must have felt when she made her Broadway debut like I think when you're so young you don't quite Process how big a deal everything is, because if you did, you couldn't do it. Like, there's some fearlessness. I think that happens when you're like fearless.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Because <laughs> I think
1: I, I think I knew it was like a huge deal, and I obviously loved like, this so much. But I think I either was a little ignorant, or I like was forcing myself to not get overwhelmed. Because I think if I really thought about like oh my god you're literally doing a part that's like iconic on a broadway stage and you're like only 22 years old maybe i was 23 at that point no i think it was 22. um i think i would not have been able to do it oh yeah <laughs> so i think there was some amount of like the de- brain deception of obviously doing a good job and being respectful and, and grateful, yeah. but not letting the magnitude of that experience fully penetrate my heart and nervous system, because I think I would have been paralyzed on stage. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, totally. But it was so fun and it was cool. Cause I got to join with like, um, Chris McCarroll and Brennan Lark and, um, Wallace Smith they joined, I think Gavin Lee joined with our cast too. Like there were so many people who were joining at the same time and they've all gone on to have, they either had incredible careers already, like Gavin Lee, he's like a staple of the Broadway community. Mm-hmm. Um, or people like Chris McCarroll who like went on to do lightning thief. So it's kind of cool to see how that revival cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all replacements. Like we weren't the yeah. original cast. We were all replacements, but it was a really special group.
0: Yeah. And Gavin Lee goes from a, uh, Lame is to playing Squidward.
1: To playing Squidward, yeah. And then I saw he was announced to be doing something else recently. Um, I forget what it was. But yeah, it's just so. Oh, hello, Lennox. There she is. It's just a great. I loved that show so much. I honestly want to go back and do it again with the same people. Because um, I think I would do it differently now.
0: On a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being piece of cake and 10 being holy crap, like, this is so crazy, uh, how demanding was playing Fantine? Mm.
1: Fizz- well, I shouldn't say. I would say 7, but then on the hard days, like, a 10 emotionally. Um, like, playing Katie was just demanding at all times, but it was so much fun. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Fontaine was like, I think there was, um, there was a lot more emotional. Yes. Yeah. Um, at stake, emotional uh, sanity at stake, and full disclosure on our podcast. I'm gonna let these church bells go by, so you don't have to edit them out. Can you hear them?
0: Yeah, but I, yeah, but I can noise redu- reduce it if you.
1: For sure? Okay. I live across from a church. Um, full disclosure, I went through like a really bad breakup right before I was in Les Mis. So literally singing like, he filled my days with endless wonder, he took my childhood in a stride. Yeah. Like every night, there were nights where I was like, ugh, <laughs> like a knife in a heart. And it made for like an incredible artistic experience. But there were some times where the darkness of that show would weigh on me. Um... And, you know, Mean Girls, I could walk into the stage where Mean Girls and be in, like, a bad mood because of something that happened that day, and then by the time the show was over, I'd be in a great mood. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I ever walked on stage in a bad mood and ended in a bad mood. Yeah. Like mean Whereas Lee Miz, it kind of requires you to sit in the discomfort and the pain and the, um, like, the magnitude of what life can do to you sometimes. Yeah. it's, like, it literally is the extremes of life on stage, and that's why it is truly like the greatest show ever um but there were definitely nights where emotionally it was a 10. um i got to be done within 20 minutes like my track was over by eight forty, pretty much oh wow and um then i would come on and do the barricade scenes as like an ensemble member and that was really really fun
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but physically, it wasn't so taxing because I, all I, I just knew I was like, I have a sprint right at the beginning and then I can kind of rest until mm-hmm. I have to come back at the very end of the show. Um, is such a good character. Like, she's just so good. I just, yeah, I want to do it again.
0: <laughs> Late Miss, I've never seen it. So is it, it's like all music, right? There's no dialogue, it's just music?
1: Correct. So it's all music. It's all sung through. Um, and... It's all orchestrated, so it's very rarely quiet. Um, and it's like I don't—I don't know if it's because I was twenty-two, but I—I I didn't feel comfortable like, and I was new, so I didn't feel super comfortable like going down to the orchestra pit or like talking to the crew. Like I didn't understand how important that
0: yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I just like I was really close with my cast, obviously, and my and the stage management team. But I wish, you know, like. I had an hour and I should have just asked the music director like can I come and sit in the orchestra pit like and hear this music and I never did so there are so many things that I I want I would go back and do a little bit differently because um either from comfort of just growing up a little bit or uh like honoring the piece even more yeah yeah I just I love that show so much and I got to go back and see it my friend Alex Fink played Cosette a little bit after me, so I went to go see her in it, and then I got to kind of see it from the audience. I was like, this show is just the best.
0: That must have been, like, cool but, like, weird at the same time. Like, I know exactly what's going on backstage while I'm sitting in front watching the show. It's like in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking, oh, this <laughs> person's doing this, and that person's doing that. And
1: Yeah, totally. It's, like, hard to separate yourself from the show if you've been in it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Um. What, uh, did being in Lay teach you about the musical theater business?
1: Ooh, um, I mean, a couple of things. I, one thing that it taught me, and, and this is meant to sound like a positive, is that it really is a job. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you replace in a show, those people have already been doing it for a year, and as much as we're there to tell a story and to, um, you know, get along as a team, yeah. it is people's job. They have families, they have responsibilities outside of the theater. And so it taught me to take it to take it seriously in a way where it's like, yes, obviously, like, we want to have fun and we want to treat one another with respect. Mm-hmm. But, like, the most important thing is showing up and doing our job well. Yeah. And if that means that somebody is, like... You know, like, I think Ramin Karamlu had such a heavy lift in that show um, that there were nights where he had to be like, My dressing room is closed, please do not come in. Like, my job right now is to not be like the social chairman of Les Mis mm-hmm. and to just kind of go on and give the best performance of Jean Valjean that I can. Mm-hmm. And I think when you've come from just doing shows at your community theater or high school or college, those are all so socially minded. It's like that's where you make your yeah. friends social life and on Broadway it is you are being paid to deliver the story and Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing yeah um so it taught me like I'm so happy I got to learn on the job of Les Mis because Fontaine um had that like 40 minute track yeah so a bit more palatable like I could I wasn't exhausting myself every night. So I figured out like, what does it mean to make sacrifices to do your job? What does it mean to have to take care of yourself to do eight shows a week? Mm -hmm. Um and then I think I also realized how valuable I you know in college you don't have swings or understudies or standbys. Yeah. And in lame is I realized how valuable those people really are and how Mm -hmm. incredible they are because Miz had cut tracks all the time, and cut tracks are when we didn't have enough ensemble people.
0: Yeah, people
1: were out sick or injured, and people would be doing multiple ensemble parts. Would be the bishop in one scene, the foreman in another. Like it—it it was really crazy how incredible that ensemble cast was at covering the bases when we needed them to. Yeah, um, and yes, obviously, like the leading players were doing work too, but I think until you work with an, uh, an ensemble cast where the understudies, standbys, and covers are on stage all the time, yeah, every day, doing different things, you don't realize how instrumental they are to the success of yeah. to the end of your eight-show week.
0: So moving on from Les Mis, let's talk about Mean Girls! Yeah! So you went from being Fontaine and Les Mis where there's no such thing as a cell phone or Wi-Fi or a mall or people like that uh to being in Mean Girls which is very modern day so what was it the feeling like when what did it feel like when you went from like it was pretty much like two different worlds so how was it adjusting to Katie after playing Fontaine uh because you went from they're literally they could not be any more polar opposite
1: could not be any more polar opposite um I think, like, the biggest thing was that, like, Katie is so in my body. Like, she is very similar to me. Um, I think – but I think that's what made it hard. Like, I think Fontaine was, was fun because I felt like I could really, like, act. Like, I yeah. felt like I could kind of hide behind Fontaine and, like, not really have to show that much of myself. Whereas, Katie, I was like, this is just me. So, there's mm-hmm. something kind of scary in that because you feel like you really are being put on display. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, like, I remember, like, equating Katie with me so much that I was like, well, if people don't like Katie, they don't like me. If people don't like Katie, then, like, I'm not likable on stage or interesting on stage or entertaining mm-hmm. on stage or funny on stage. So, like, that was really um, – that was stressful. In terms of the modern – modernity? Modernness? Modernity. modernity. thank you, Kyle, of it, that was pretty easy because um, – The movement was so modern, the choreography, Mm -hmm. the costuming, like that was easy to, to um, slip into. Um, But she's 16 years old. Right. So I remember like having discussions with, with Tina or our writing team, our creative team and being like, why would she do this? Like, she's like, this is a terrible choice. And they're like, yeah, don't you were making terrible. Don't you remember making terrible choices at 16 years old? (laughs) (laughs) So it was less about like, Um, the style of it, it was more like remembering that when you're 16, you do things that you fully regret that make no sense. You act on impulse all the time. Whereas I, as a 25-year-old woman, when I started playing Katie, like almost a decade older, Mm -hmm. have some uh, insight and have made mistakes and learn from them. And so I had to check myself and like not judge the 16-year-old character and be like, she would like yeah get fully drunk and wear this like black like skinky dress <laughs> to a party and like yell at her friend and you know there were things that I remember thinking like she would never do this and realizing no 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 you're thinking I would never do this but a 16 year old fully would and just mm-hmm. because she is a smart 16 year old with like math or like has a good like heart doesn't mean that she's not going to make mistakes yeah like, I fully had to have a good heart and I at age 16 did things that probably hurt people because I wasn't thinking about right. it. right um so that was kind of the biggest thing to unravel
0: what was your personal favorite part of this show
1: I loved the mathlete scene. Um, And I loved it because I think it was just like the first moment where I got to like really just have fun. Yeah. Everything else was like, Katie like navigating or learning or observing or being stressed or letting people down Mm -hmm. or like, obviously I had so much fun singing, you know, everything. But the most freeing moment was Stupid With Love. Oh, not Stupid With Love, was the mathlete song, um, Do This Thing, because Mm -hmm. It's, like, the first time that she's fully in her element. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the best. And it's, like, where she comes to... It's her climax as a character. I think S.T.A.R.S. is, in a way, like, um, the climax for every character. It's, like, how we all come together at the end. Yeah. But I, for me, Katie came together, like, as a human being during mm-hmm. the math stuff. So that was always my favorite. And actually- Also, it was when I could go to the bathroom right before i think so i was always like really happy (laughs) because i would go on stage from athletes and i was like i had time to pee (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) i'm working on before at august wilson you had to share a dressing room with taylor and renee so is it hard to share a dressing room with somebody um
1: yeah i wouldn't say it's hard i would say it's like a specific type of relationship Mm -hmm. like I'm obviously friends with Taylor and Renee, but the relationship that of having a dressing room with somebody is like multifaceted because they see you at your worst and you're most stressed. And sometimes we like, you know, I think Taylor and I were so lucky and and same with Renee. It's like, we would wait till we got to our dressing room to like unleash stress. Yeah. And so like a dressing room space is kind of like, your therapy room Mm -hmm. but you also have to be mindful that the other person is going through something very difficult so like there were days I think where um Taylor was maybe really exhausted because she was also shooting like a tv show and would show up to work and was like I don't want to do this and I would also similarly feel that way but I was like we have to like we have to create space to be honest with one another, but also not allow our dressing room to be um, like negative. So yeah. that we would like either just turn on music, dim the lights and just be like, let's just get ready in silence, jam into our music and
0: mm-hmm. like, I'll see
1: you at intermission. So I, it's, it's interesting. I was like, I don't think I've ever had um, like problems with dressing, like dressing, having a dressing room mate Cause I kind of like being with somebody. Yeah. Um, but you do have to like adapt to people's moods and realize that like, there were days where, um, if I would come in and I, I would just tell Taylor, I was like, hey, I'm gonna close the door. I was like, I don't want people to come in and visit us because I just need like the half hour to like really focus. And that is something that we liked our dressing room being yeah. like an open social area, but some nights she would be really great and like respect that desire of mine and vice versa. Um, it was kind of cool because like, when Renee joined, it was Renee's Broadway debut. It was Renee's everything debut. So like she's going through so much and I had already been there for a year and a half. So my job was to just like support that. Yeah. To support it in a way that was like, you're not a baby. You don't need babying. You don't need somebody to hold your hand. You're like a full professional. You've got this. Yeah. Also, I just have done this show for a little bit longer. So like if you have questions about, like, where you need to, like, who you need to talk to for any issue you're dealing with, yeah.
0: like,
1: I'm here for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I've watched, like, every episode of your Broadway.com vlog. I've seen it yeah. all. So what is it fun having a little vlog and taking the world around? It is.
1: It is. It's, like, um. I mean, I almost didn't do it because I was – I loved having a vlog. I almost said no to it because I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have time for this. Like I have so much to focus on because we were opening the show. And I'm so happy I did it because now I have like this virtual scrapbook. Yeah. Mean Girls. And like we got to do so much fun stuff. We got to perform live. We got to go on the parade. We had our cast album listening party. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't rewatched all the episodes I'm sure, like, I'll do it, like, five years from now and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that. When you're in Ann Arbor. Yeah, exactly, when I'm, like, teaching in Ann Arbor. Um, But that's why I'm so happy I have it, because it's all really a blur. Like, Mm -hmm. that phase of being Girls is such a blur to me. Yeah. That if I didn't film it, I don't think I would have processed that it even happened. Like, I don't think I'd be able to remember all of it. Yeah. Um, So I'm really excited to, like, five years from now. Show it to Lennox and be like, your mom was on Broadway once, Lennox. You don't believe me, but
0: it's true. Thank you so much to Erica Henningson for spending time with me for my Mean Girls Thanksgiving week. Tomorrow we begin a weekend of Regina George. I've been wanting to say that for a very long time. Anywho, we kick things off uh, with Mariah Rose Faith tomorrow on the Jamie Starr podcast. See you then.